They say that children under the age of 10 ask somewhere between four to 600 questions a week. Can I get an amen, parents, on that one, right? Well, man, we're so excited that you're here today. My name is Jason. I'm the teaching pastor here on staff at the church, and we are launching a brand new series today called You Ask For It. I'm really excited about it. Let me just say, uh, if you're visiting with us today, you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's all right. But let me just say uh, just a big thank you to you guys. My family has been able to take the last five weeks uh, be away from the church, speak at some other churches, just be refreshed, recharged, ready to go. I haven't preached in five weeks, so I may go three hours today. I hope you're ready to hang in there with me. Um, got one amen, but that's all right. I know what you're thinking. Uh, just kidding about that. But um, while I was away, I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought Pastor Cecil and Pastor Corey just did an outstanding job, and you're so blessed to have them on staff. And uh, so, man, but really excited about this series, You Ask For It. Um, and let me just kind of tell you how we got here. We got here because on Easter, this last year, we had over 550 people here on Easter, and we gave you a chance to ask us uh, or to write down any question that you had uh, about the Bible, about life, about God, whatever it is that you would want answered. You sent in over 50 questions that day. We took those 50, narrowed it down to about 11 categories. We, we, got, we kind of put all the duplicates into different kinds of questions that were similar in different ways, and and got down to about 11 categories, and then through those 11 questions up onto uh, Facebook, allowed you guys to like those and to share those to see what were the most popular, and then took those 11 and narrowed them down to the top four questions that we're going to be talking about over the next uh, four weeks. So this today, uh, this week, we're talking about uh, what happens after you die. What happens after you die? We're going to dive into the afterlife and all that good stuff. Next week, we're talking about and answering the question, do good people go to hell? All right. We think we kind of know the, who the bad people are, and we think we know who the like Christians are, but what about those people that, that are, are good? They're, they're even like better than most Christians, you know? Like, do they go to hell too? So that's going to be interesting. Then the third week, I guess that would be July 27th, we're going to be talking about, is divorce ever okay? We're going to be talking about divorce, and it's been 10 years. I've been at the church 10 years. We've never talked about divorce, but it affects so many of our lives. And so uh, we're going to be diving into just divorce and all that the Bible says about that. And then the last week, which would be August 3rd, we're going to be uh, answering the question, how do I know God's plans for my life? How do I know God's will for my life? Uh, is, there, is there one thing I'm supposed to do? Is there multiple options for me? Is there one person in life that I was supposed to marry? Did I marry the wrong person and screw it up for the rest of the universe? I mean, what, you know, what, what do we do with all that? We're going to be answering uh, those questions. So this is a great series for you to bring someone with you, invite some friends, invite some family, because you know the questions and you know the dates. So if you know somebody who's got God questions, you know, salvation questions, dealing with all the, the ramifications of divorce, or maybe they've got decisions to make in life and they want to know what God would want them to do, uh, find the week that fits best and, and invite them uh, to, to come with you uh, because it's going to be a real good time. I'm excited to have uh, Pastor Cecil up here uh, teaching with me through this series uh, he's a lot smarter and wiser than I am, and so I'm going to answer all the easy questions like, you know, does Jesus love me? I'm going to take those, and then I'm going to kick the rest to Cecil because he gets to do all the hard stuff around here, but really pumped about that. And Cecil, uh, I guess the best place for us to start this morning um, would be to uh, ask the question, do our pets go to heaven? Because I know you're an animal guy. I am an animal guy. Thank you for throwing me the easiest question. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, actually, before I answer this, before we get into any of these, we want to have you guys 
weigh in on what you think about everything we're going to talk about this morning. So that's what those little cards are that are in your seats. Everybody uh, grab your cards. Yeah, Jason calls those your church fans, right? Back yeah. in the day, we didn't have AC. And yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah. You guys know how to use those. So in addition to fanning, we want you guys to give us your answer. Your answer facing us so I can read them. Do you believe that when you die, your pets will be in heaven with you? Do your pets go to heaven, yes or no? Pets, heaven, yes or oh, it's no? Almost, well, All right. almost split on that one, right? I see lots Got a lot of, of animal people in here. A lot of animal lovers. We are actually going to get to that one um, later on and give you our thoughts and our opinions uh, for that one. But we just want to hear your feedback on everything we talk about this morning. What a tease. What a tease. We will get to that a little later. Hey, we have one other way that we want you to interact with us today, and that is through text messaging. We want this to be a very interactive message series. And so at any point today, as we're talking... Uh, or, or answering questions, if, if our answer leads you to another question and you're not sure, you know, hey, well, what about this or what about this? Or maybe you have a question about what happens after we die that we never get to and you want to ask that, text this number, 502-230-1591. That's a private number. Like, it actually goes through Google. It's going to come to this phone right here that Cecil's got in his hand. But it goes through Google. It's anonymous. Like, there's no phone book or, or contacts. We won't know who sent it or anything like that. Um, but text in your question, and we'll try to answer them in real time. So if we're talking about something specific and your question comes in has to do with that, we'll just kind of stop what we're doing, try our best to answer that question, and then we'll try to get to as many questions at the end uh, as we can to, to try and hopefully to answer as many questions, um, as, many questions as we can today because that's, that's kind of our goal, all right? So regardless of what we think, uh, regardless of the opinions that we have, maybe we don't care for ourselves so much, but all of us have some interest in the afterlife if we've ever cared about anyone who has ever died, right? My mom passed away. It hasn't been four years just yet, but she passed away uh, over three years ago, age 49 of cancer. And, and that was really the first time in my life, I was 20, you know, 26, 27 years old, that was really the first time in my life that, that I really started asking a lot of questions about heaven and hell and and family members, and what all that is going to mean. And so if we've ever cared about anyone, we, we have some interest, you know, in what happens, uh, in what happens a- after we die. And, and as we answer questions during this series, there's going to be three ways that we, that we can answer them, three options that we have to answer. And this will work for all four weeks, three ways to answer questions when it comes to the Bible, God, or, or spiritual things, or whatever. The first way to answer the question is definitively. Confidently, surely, yes or no, there's no doubt about it. The Bible tells us yes or no. We have this scripture that God or someone who wrote it speaking for God said, and we are sure, yes or no, we know that to be true. If if the question is, did Jesus die on the cross? If you believe in the Bible, the answer is yes, definitively, there's no doubt about it. So some of the answers to questions we're going to ask over the next four weeks is going to be definitive. Yes, no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. The second way to answer the question is, we're not sure, but we kind of lean one way or the other because of what the Bible says, even though it's not totally specific, based on the nature of God, based on some other things Jesus said, based on some things some writers in the Bible said. It kind of points us in a direction, but there's no way that we could stand up here and definitively say yes or no. We couldn't stand up here and say yes or no, but we can say we think it's this based on this data or whatever you want to call it. And then the third way to answer a question is to just say, we don't know. And unfortunately, churches and pastors haven't done a good enough job over the years of just saying, you know what, we don't know. If the Bible doesn't tell us, 
And if we don't have, you know, verses that can help us lean one way or the other, sometimes we just have to say, we don't know. Let me give you an example. There is no way for us to know or to be definitive or, or, or sure about suicide. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't have any verses in the Bible about what are the consequences of suicide. The Bible never talks about mental illness. The Bible never talks about, uh, it does have characters who are depressed, but it doesn't get into, like there's not passages of scripture to say thou shalt not do that, or if you do that, this is going to happen. We don't have anything. We do have characters in the Bible who did commit suicide, but we don't know what happened to them. We don't know what the consequences were of that. So that's an area, just as an example, that we just don't know. Uh, we may have opinions. You may have opinions. Your mom or dad may have taught you something. Your church may have taught you something. But if, if, we're, if we act sure about things that we are unsure of because of the Bible, then we're not doing you any good, and we're kind of being, being frauds up here. So we're either going to be incredibly certain and clear and let you know, or we're going to say we're not sure, but we think it's this based on this Bible part, or we're going to say, you know what, we just, uh, we just don't know. So why don't we go ahead and jump in today and get started. And remember, you can text in your questions uh, at any time, all right? And we're going to read a story out of uh, Luke chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can look it up. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a story, and this story is really important, especially for us today, because it's the only time that Jesus talks about heaven and hell in a way uh, like there were people who went there and what happens while they were there. Jesus talked about heaven and hell a lot, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But this story is the only story that gives us like a, an actual uh, example of these people went to heaven and hell, and here's what happened while, while they were there. And so I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to reference back to it a lot today as we're answering some questions, okay? So Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, it says, uh, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps of the rich man's table, the dog would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man also died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Uh, I am in anguish in these flames. 25, but Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing? So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from, there, from here and no one can cross over to us uh, from, from there. You know, we, we, they, they can't do that. Uh, 27, the rich man said, Please, Father, amen, at, least send to, uh, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn him uh, so that... I lost my spot here. Uh, but send, uh, I want to warn them so they don't end up in the place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Verse 30, the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead... Then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, last verse, if they won't listen to Moses and to the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So this is an important question, uh, or important story, excuse me, because we get Jesus 
talking about descriptions and people in heaven and hell and things that are going on uh, in that time. So we're going to answer four questions today that we feel like uh, we all kind of have kind of the most popular questions about what happens after death, and we'll refer back to this story. So here's the first question that we're going to jump into today. Is hell for real? Is hell a real place? So everybody get your signs out. Let's get a little audience participation here. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make a statement. You say yes or no. Hell is a real place that real people will go to after they die. Yes or no. If you're unsure, just kind of wave it back and forth. Hell is a real place that people will go after they die. Okay. All right. A lot of yeses, some noes out there. Hell is a real place that people go after they die. Well, the answer this morning is yes. Hell is a real place. And this is a definitive sure answer. Now, it's actually becoming more and more popular for different people and kind of some theological, philosophical kind of views to say that hell is not real. There, there, there is this thought, there are people that don't believe in heaven and hell or God, atheistic kind of view, but more popular than that uh, is people who would say, okay, well, heaven is real. So if you believe in Jesus and you're a Christian and you're saved, then yes, you'll go to heaven. And then from there, they believe two things. Either everyone eventually will get into heaven you know, eventually at some point, God's going to let everybody in because he's a loving guy. Or they, they say, well, you know, saved people go to heaven, but then, you know, sinners or people who don't know Jesus, they just lay in the ground and they die. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. There are people who have taken and twisted some things or whatever, but the Bible is very clear that heaven and hell are real places. Jesus talked about hell over 40 times but he specifically talked about hell 23 times describing what it was like. Describing what it was like. Jesus talked about it 23 times. And here, while we don't know exactly what it is, while we, you know, we don't, like, I'm not saying it's a bonfire or a fire pit. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's like some of the old videos we've watched that the devil's got, you know, horns on a pitchfork. We don't know that. But we have some consistencies that the Bible tells us about hell. The first thing that we know to be true about hell is it's just an awful place to be. You don't want to be there. It's not a party. It's not spring break, okay? Hell is an awful place to be. It's filled with torment. The second thing we know that is consistent in the Bible is that there is constant weeping and gnashing of teeth is the phrase that the Bible uses. It really is kind of like a grinding of your teeth. Like, it's so bad that you're just crying and grinding your teeth uh, for forever. And then the last thing that's consistent with all of what we see in the Bible about hell is that there is a fire that burns, and it never stops burning. So the Bible tells us over and over again in different ways that hell is an awful place to be. It's, it's a tormenting, terrible place of punishment. That it's so bad that there's just constant weeping and, and, and gnashing of teeth, just a, a, a pain, a hurt, a deep uh, torment. And then the third thing is that there's a fire that never stops burning. Let me give you an example real quick. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 through 9. Jesus is talking and he says, but if, if, if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large uh, millstone tied around your neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown, here we go, into an eternal fire with both your hands and feet. Verse 9, and if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. So this is just one example 
of 23 examples that Jesus gave that says, okay, there is a place, it is a real place, and it ain't a good place, all right? So yes, hell is a real place. If you have a question uh, here, Jay, we're going to get to some of these as, as they come in when they pertain to the question we're on. This one just talks about the fact that it's not always called hell. Yeah. And the word hell isn't used often in the King James, and some of the translations don't use it at all. But, but here's, here's what's interesting about, about that idea, that the Bible doesn't always call it hell. We, we have a term in the church we call rapture. That's what, that's what we have termed when Jesus comes back to call us up. We call it the rapture. That word's not used in the Bible either. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means that our word for it isn't always what it's called in right. the Bible. And that's okay, because what Jay was saying is true. There are consistent descriptions of a place of torment. And, and we are bringing some of our theology directly from this story that Jesus shares, right? And, and we talked about the fact that this story, um, most people, many people will consider it a parable. We're not sure that it's exactly a parable, but a lot of our um, you know, theology is built from, from the story shared from the words of Christ and then kind of backed up by other scripture throughout the Bible. And so hell is, is not always called hell, but it is consistently called a place of torment, all the things you just shared. Sure. So don't get caught up on the idea that it's not always called hell in the Bible. The other thing is, let's talk about the, the idea that we're building from these words of Christ. And, and I, you had an idea yesterday, some of your family, you were talking to some other pastors. Um, they don't, aren't sure that this is actually a parable, as a lot of people would say. Yeah, so Jesus constantly was using fictional stories to make a point. Uh, but some of his fictional stories were like symbolic. So he would say, the kingdom of God is like uh, a treasure in a field. Uh, like a, a woman with a, a purse, you know, a, a treasure or something like that. And, and that represented something else. So we don't believe that this is an actual, literally, like a, a true story, like there was a guy named Lazarus, there was a rich man, but we believe it's a fictional story, but that it's not symbolic. It means hell, it means heaven, it means Abraham, it means Lazarus, it means the rich man. So, so while it is a fictional story, Jesus did this all the time, but it wasn't a symbolic story. It was the, the, the characters and the settings yeah, was a the real thing. The things he named meant what he said they meant. And, and so that's, it's interesting to, to know that even, even if it is a parable, I don't think it draws away from the theology we can start to build around the words of Christ. Because he, even in his parables, um, he's not telling you anything that's not true, right? So there's truth in the words of Christ. And so as he starts to share these things, he's telling them so we can learn from him. Here are some things you need to know about what might happen to you after you die. This guy died, and he went here. This guy died, and he went somewhere else. And it's based on who they were in their lives and, and what they believed. And so we glean some truth from that that, that I don't think we can get away from. Um, it's very hard to explain away, I guess, the idea that Jesus says the guy who went to the place of the dead um, and was in a place of torment, what does that mean if it doesn't mean place of torment? So, And let me say this because we've got some questions coming in about, you know, who will be in hell and things. Next week, we're going to talk all sorts of salvation issues, who goes to hell, who goes to heaven, and all that good stuff. So we'll dive into a lot of that next week. All right, we're going to move on to the second question that we're going to address today. This one is, do we go to heaven or hell as soon as we die, or do our bodies sleep in the ground? All right, so I want to hear back from you guys, and I want to make a statement. You're going to, you're going to tell me yes or no, whether you believe this statement to be true. When we die... Our souls go directly to heaven or directly to hell. Yes Do you or believe no? that to be true? Come yes on, let's no? see the signs. Come on. All right. All right. It looks like mostly yes, about uh, 80%, maybe more than that, yes. All right. So here's, here's an interesting one where I think we've got some things in Scripture that lead us to an answer that we believe. 
Um, Jay and I mostly agree on this one, and, and here's what's interesting. As you start talking to other scholars and theologians, you'll find you agree on some very basic things. And when you get into specific details, there may be a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if that's true. And that's okay. We encourage that discussion. We encourage that, that examination of Scripture. And so even with each other, we're not always certain. But this one, we believe to be true based on enough Scripture that leads us in one direction. So here's, here's our thought. I think we've got enough Scripture to feel good about this one. It talks about going back to the story uh, that Jason shared at the beginning. Jesus saying that the rich man died and was buried. His soul went to the place of the dead. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. It seems to be in this story that, that at the moment of death, it says the, the, the guy was buried, but his soul went to the place of the dead. We believe based on scripture and, and enough instances that our bodies will remain on earth. They will be buried. They will be whatever happens to your body after you die. Not a big deal, but our soul goes on at that point to be in heaven, to be in the place of torment. Um, we've got some other examples where Jesus was talking to the thief on the cross. And I've heard this one all my life. A lot of people use this and say, well, uh, it's not definitive. But I think, I think lining it up with other scripture, it starts to build this, this picture where Jesus talks to the thief on the cross during his crucifixion. The thief repents, right, and asks for forgiveness. And so Jesus says, because of your repentance, I will be with you today in paradise. Um, I believe that the scriptures paint a consistent um, picture that upon our death, our souls go on to the place where we're going to be. And then at some point, Christ is going to return, we find out, and that our bodies will be, caught, will be called up into the air, out of the ground, to be restored, to be made whole. And, and that's something that happens at the end, but it doesn't mean that our souls are waiting there with our bodies during that time. Um, Jay, you agree with me on this one? Absolutely. Like, I think the Bible teaches that while we don't know exactly what happens to our bodies, like you were saying, like there were all sorts of interactions with like... Uh, souls that no longer lived and so we, we can't be totally sure about what that's exactly going to look like because we've got the whole first thessalonians thing about rapture and called up in the air with our bodies and dead in christ and all that good stuff and even when jesus uh, was resurrected there were other dead bodies that you know were raised from the dead so but the part of us that jesus saved which was not our body it was our soul goes to be with him um, which is the good news anytime we're at a funeral of someone who knew, who knew jesus christ that they're immediately in a better place and real quickly before we move on, I don't know if we got these questions this time, but last time there were some questions about purgatory and the, and the idea that this scripture in some translations is, is called the bosom of Abraham or Abraham's bosom. There are some other words and some other terms that, that people will throw out and, and describe maybe a place you wait before you go to heaven. I can't find any real scriptural evidence to back this up. Um, I do know that it's a popular um, idea in theology in some circles, but I, don't, I can't find anything that definitively would tell me this. In this particular instance, the translations that say Abraham's bosom, um, that word is a Greek word that is actually used somewhere else that means, a it's called kolpos, it's a place of uh, honor a side, beside a person or the lap of a person. It's the same word that's used when John is describing sitting next to Jesus in, in, in uh, the Gospel of John, that he was at kolpos by Jesus' side. And so in this story, what some people call Abraham's bosom really just means a place of honor beside Abraham, where Abraham was. So. We can't find anything else that kind of backs that up. So while we're building some theology around the words of Christ, we're also looking for some other scripture to support what we believe. And I believe there's nothing else to me that supports that Abraham's bosom is a separate place from heaven. I believe there is heaven. I right. believe there is hell. I don't know about anything in between. And we, this is a large Catholic area. We've got a lot of Catholics that attend church here. And so purgatory, the idea of that is, is obviously a very popular topic. And we actually spent a lot of time because we wanted to be able to answer this question 
Um, and there's really only one scripture uh, in First Peter that even references the idea that Jesus went to a place Purgatory is not in the Bible, period, but that he went to a place, the, the word purgatory, I mean, and, and brought people out with him. And then, and, and then from Jesus moving forward, there would be no need for purgatory because we have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Um, just some biblical, biblical stuff there. So, um, so, yeah, question number three. Question number three, here we go. And let me just say before we jump into this question, okay, we just answered two questions up front that were, like, theological. We're about to answer two questions that are emotional, we're about to move into some uh, emotional type questions, and we have a lot of questions that have been texted in about families and relatives and all sorts of good stuff, and we're going to try to answer those questions. We think that, obviously, we all kind of wonder about that a little bit, um, so these, are, these get personal and, and touchy sometimes. But the third question we want to try to answer today is, do our dead relatives communicate with us after they have died? Do our dead relatives communicate with us after they have died? So I'm going to ask you a question. Get your signs out. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you a question, yes or no. My relatives and friends who have died can communicate with me. Yes or no, my relatives, okay, all right. I expected this to be pretty split 50-50. I'm seeing mostly 50-50 split in a couple of waves. I'm not sure, all right. Um, so do our dead relatives communicate with us after we die? Now, I am 99% sure that the answer is no, 99%. The reason I'm not 100% is because like the Bible does so often, there's one story in there that blows my whole theory up, all right. And so there's a story in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28. It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy story that Saul is going to fight a battle, but he's on bad terms with God. And so he can't hear God speak to him, and there's no prophet, and Samuel's already died. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 28, Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothes. And he went to this woman's home, and he said, I have to talk to a man who has died. Will you call up his spirit for me? And sure enough, the woman calls up the spirit of Samuel... Okay, and they communicate. Now, it's not good for Saul that they communicate because Saul's life's about over, but they communicate, uh, and, and this lady, sure, this medium, sure enough, does call um, this person up. However, in a day-to-day, -day, ordinary kind of living kind of life, we have no biblical precedence or no biblical evidence that our uh, loved ones communicate with us uh, from the afterlife. Just as an example, I'm a sports guy. I hear this often in sports. Uh, someone loses a father. They win a championship. They interview him and they say, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do it, but my father was with me today, helping me pull this one out or whatever. That's not true. What is true and what is very true for all of us is that our remembering them, our thinking about them, our knowing how they would respond in certain situations, all of that being brought up is, is kind of leading us and guiding us and making us feel like we can hear them. Let me give you an example. My mom was the best piano player I've ever known. And she sang and, and played. And I'll hear songs on the radio that she used to play and sing. And when I hear those songs, I feel like I'm with my mom. Like she's in the car with me, right? She's not in the car with me. But I feel like she's there because there is an emotional connection that happens, okay? So on a day-to-day -day basis, you're trying to, you know, take the job here or there. You know, what, you know, I need my dad to help me. What would I do? I need my mom to help me. There's no biblical precedence, no biblical evidence that they communicate with us in our everyday lives. Now, there does seem to be some evidence, and this is why I'm 99% sure, there does seem to be some evidence that there are people who have what the Bible would describe as uh, evil, demonic, 
very unhealthy spirits and ability to contact dead people. I have no idea how it works. I couldn't explain it to you if I wanted to. But there does seem to be some biblical precedent that this does happen. However, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that we, should, we shouldn't have anything to do with that. And not a thing to do with it, okay? It's enticing. It's emotional. We want to. But the Bible is very clear not to do that. Just one example, Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is Old Testament. This is law. God doesn't want his people to be like the other people who are not God's people. And he says, when you enter the land, 18 verses 9 through 11, God is giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling, use sorcery, interpret omens, engage in witchcraft, cast spells, or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. So, I have two answers. No, our dead relatives do not communicate with us. The answer is no. I have another answer. There seems to be some people who can get a hold of dead people. But God says... Don't have anything to do with that. Don't get near it. Don't touch it. It's not for you. It's not for my people. I don't want you to go near that. And here's why this is important. Because sometimes we can forget that this life is not the goal. You know that, right? That this life is not the goal. That we're not supposed to live for the earth. So when someone passes away, they're get, if they know Jesus, they're getting the reward. They're, they're happier about it than you are. And they don't miss being here because they are with Jesus. So I don't mean to like make light of it, but you're trying to decide you know, to go with the AT&T or Verizon cell phone plan. They don't care because they're with Jesus, okay? And being with Jesus is better. Now, I know this has huge emotional connections to it. I live it, you live it, and we want to be able to communicate with them. We, with the Bible, has no problems. God has no problems with us holding on to memories, holding on to letters, uh, uh, trying to interpret what they would want us to do, uh, thinking about them, smelling them, uh, looking at their clothes, keeping their clothes in the closet, uh, still wearing your wedding ring, any of those things. The Bible doesn't have any issue with that at all. But the idea of them talking or communicating to us is not a biblical uh, idea. Yeah, a couple of questions coming in and a lot leading into what we're going to talk about next. But a couple of questions came in about do other people believe the same thing? Do all Pentecostals, Baptists believe the same thing you guys are teaching about? Whether we go straight to hell, about whether our relatives can, can communicate. And so one thing I want to say is you're, if you are looking for a theology that supports what you want to be true, you can probably find it. Um, that's why we encourage you, A, to search the scriptures yourself, and B, try to bring you a bunch of different scripture that supports what we believe. And we're also careful to say, based on what we've read in the Bible, here's what we believe and why. It's, it's really important for you to realize that. The very first one where Jason gave you a definitively, we believe, based on what the scriptures say consistently over and over again, that hell is a real place. Yeah. There, are, there are ministers, not just other people, not just wag jobs, but ministers who are teaching in their churches, no, there's no sure. such thing as hell. So you guys need to be aware that no matter what we're teaching, you can probably find a differing sure. point of view. It's really important for you to listen, to weigh it, to pray about it, and to search the scripture yourself because uh, it's, most of the things we're talking about today are not salvation issues. But there are some things in, in your lives that we're trying to teach you the truth as we find it in the Bible. And, and you've got to, to hold on to what you know, to what you believe. That's really important. 
And I would say our, this view that we're giving you of heaven and hell, it's a real place. Our souls go there. It is the extreme majority view of the evangelical Christian base. That's correct, yeah. So, like, it's not like Cecil and Jason really stepping out on a limb there. Like, it's the extreme. You would go to 90% of the evangelical church, 95% of the evangelical churches in the city of Louisville. That's going to be their, um, their base. The question just came in, Cece, before we move on to the next one. And this is somebody kind of that emotional connection. The question is, so after everything I just said, so there's no biblical evidence that they don't communicate with us. So everything I just said, and it's like, well, but the Bible doesn't say they don't. That's, that's exactly right. That goes back to what I was saying, that that's that second category. That there's not a verse that says dead people don't communicate, and there's not a verse that says dead people do communicate. But based on what we believe to be the teachings of the writers in the Bible, God's nature, and Jesus' views, uh, we believe that the leaning is that if it happened, it would be extremely rare and extreme and not spiritual and not godly. And so we, it, it's in the Bible, so obviously it has happened. That would be dumb of us to say it didn't happen. It's in the Bible. But it's not, it's not of God. It's not the communication of that is not, is not of God. Lots and lots of questions coming in. I was reading through some of them while Jason was talking, and we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but, but keep them coming if they pertain to specifically what we're talking about. We're trying to get as many in as we can. Um, but if you've got some things that are just lingering, that you're like, I've got to hear the answer to this, what these guys think, you know, find us, grab us afterwards, text us, um, email us, let us know. We want to answer as many of these as we can, and we're going to get to as many as we can today. But most of the ones that I saw coming on the feed, Jay, while you were talking, all have to do with this next one that I'm going to address. So let's hear your opinion on it first. And this is probably the most emotional, even more so than what Jason was just talking about. This question is, will I recognize people in heaven? Will I still have my family? So let's hear your thoughts on that one before I get to that and we address what we, what we believe. Will we recognize people and family members in heaven when we get there? Yes or no? It is mostly, overwhelmingly yes. I do see some no's sprinkled about the crowd. So different opinions on this. There are different opinions, just like I said, with other uh, theologians and some people that I respect um, have have said no on this one. As a matter of fact, that's mostly born from from a, a scripture that, that Jason and I talked about when we were preparing this, where someone was asking Jesus, "Hey, if I've been married, um, and and a woman is married, for instance, and her husband dies, and then she marries somebody else, and then he dies, and then she marries somebody else, and he dies, uh, who's she gonna be married to in heaven?" And Jesus is like, "You kind of are." not understanding what heaven is about. It's not about marriage. It's not about who you're going to be married to when you get there. It's, it's different than that. And so we've got this emotional connection, and these questions were coming in even back then because people do want to, to have this reassurance and know that I'm going to be with who I love. And, but Jesus is saying, maybe you're kind of misunderstanding what heaven is about. It's, it's more about you spending eternity with me, my Father. We're going, to, we're going to be worshiping Christ and happy to be with him. It's not a place where we're going to be like, Oh, I can't find Corey. Where's Corey? If I could only find Corey, I would be happy. I think we're going to be happy if we're in heaven because we're with Christ. That's what it's really all about. But, but because this is emotional, because this one does mean something to me as well, let's look back at some other scripture to help support what, what we tend to believe on this one based on um, first the story that Jason shared at the beginning where it says the poor man died, was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man died. He was buried his soul into the place of the dead. The, it, right after that, it says they're in torment. Here's what happened. He saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. There was recognition, even in the afterlife, in the story that Jesus is sharing, that he could still see and understand who it was that he was seeing and what was happening. Also, we got another one that I look at in Scripture where um, 
in the transfiguration, now again, this isn't in heaven, but this is people who have died. Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus um, during the transfiguration in the New Testament. But not only does Jesus recognize Moses and Elijah who have already died and passed on, but so do some of his disciples. So there's still a recognition of their spirit, of their souls, after they come back and appear before Jesus and the disciples. And here's one more thought that I had. I was, I was actually just thinking through Scripture, talking about do we recognize people after we die? Do we still want that? Is that does that appear in the Bible at all? And I, I thought about David when his son, King David, in the Old Testament, when his son is ill and he's about to die. And he's praying for God to heal his son, and he's, he's asking for God to, to not let him die. And, and he's mournful during that time. But as soon as his son is dead, David gets up, he goes to church, and he worships God. And they're asking, how can you be so happy? How are you worshiping now after your son has died? And he's like, look, while he was alive, I prayed that God might let him live. But now that he's dead, he can't come back to me, but I'll go to him someday. Now, these aren't the words of Christ, and this is not a definitive answer, but we have this hope even from King David, even from people in the Bible, that at some point they're going to be reunited with loved ones, and he would go back to see his son. I believe that we've got enough scriptural evidence to say we would have a recognition of each other. I think we, where we might be missing it is that that's going to be the most important thing to us when we get there, because I think the most important thing for us in heaven is our relationship with Christ and our eternity with him. And maybe that's where some of us miss it, but I do believe that we'll recognize each other based on the scriptures that I read. And I think what happens to us sometimes, Cease, is that we make idols out of our family if we're not careful. And I mean, I'm a parent. I love, I, I, nobody could love their girls more than I love my girls. I mean, like, I love my family, but sometimes we can make idols out of our family. And so if God wanted to do something in our lives that ever went against what our desires were for our children or tragedy that struck us or the idea, like, if there's a part of you, and I'm... I, I'm not, I'm not guilting and condemning here. Like, I'm saying I get it. But if there's a part of you that says, like, I wouldn't want to go to heaven if I wouldn't get to know my kids and my, my spouse, like, you're, you're missing the whole point. Because the goal is not this life. The goal is not this world. God gave them to us. They are a gift. We are to be stewards of that and treasure that and love that and go all out. But the point is not our family. The point is, is Jesus. The point is to, is to be with God. So we just have to be careful about that, not just worrying about heaven, but on this earth too, that I don't make an idol out of my family and worship that more than I prioritize God. And, and you guys have heard me talk about this, but I believe so strongly that I don't know why and I can't explain it, but I just feel like God has put it on my heart and Andrew's heart that our daughter Nora is going to be a missionary. Like I'm never, I'm not going to project that on her or nothing, but I just feel like that's the case through prayers and things. And like, if I'm not okay with God taking her somewhere else in the world because I want to hold on to her, that's an idol. And I don't want what God wants more than I want what I want. That was a little off topic. But you know what I'm saying. It's kind of we just all bring it together there, right? Okay, now, let me say this, Cease, because we got a ton of questions. Evidently, I didn't, I, 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 scratch, or, I scratched an itch. Is that what it's called? Anyway, let's go back real quick. We got to back up one because we got tons of questions about relatives communicating with us. Let me say this. Um, something about ghosts and spirits communicating. Okay, there is no doubt 100% there is no doubt that there are demonic spirits on this earth, that there, there are, I mean, the Holy Spirit is on this earth. So there's no doubt that there are ghosts, may not be ghosts as we think they are ghosts, who knows, but there's no doubt that before Jesus, during Jesus, after Jesus, that there is a presence of evil, of demons, of all that. There's no doubt about it. And there's no doubt that there is a Holy Spirit presence and a God presence and an angelic presence. How many of you, your family, if you grew, I don't know how you grew up, but how many of you, before you went on a road trip, 
uh, your parents or family members prayed some type of prayer that angels would encamp round about you. Anybody ever had one of those? Okay, my grandfather prayed it this week before we left from vacation, right? This idea that angels would come around our car. I don't know, but if there is, like, I'll take some. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, I'll get some of that. So, so there is no doubt that there, that, that, that is on the earth. However, I will say that my personal belief, and this is Jason's opinion, is that the Bible also says resist the devil and he will flee. So I don't, I don't get this sense that demonic forces are like coming through my front door if I don't close it real fast. You know what I'm saying? Like I resist the devil for the most part, he flees from me. The Holy Spirit is in my life. God is in my life. So, so I don't think there's, you know, a good parking spot is like an angel and a flat tire is a demon, even though I did get one of those. Brand new tires, got a flat tire this week. Anyway, um, all right. Sorry, ADD. More questions about this. Um, Cecil, uh, I had it here. Did I lose it? Uh, We talked about this a little bit, purgatory, but did Jesus visit hell? So, like, um, there again, that goes back to 1 Peter. Like, there is some type of reference that Jesus went somewhere but we don't know that it was hell. We definitely don't know that it's called purgatory. Here's one thing that happens in church. I was actually talking to um, Jeremy Killian about this in between services. Who's smarter than both of us. Smarter than both of yeah. us. Uh, you know, his answer is, we don't know. We got a couple of verses in, in Peter that we turn into something else. I said, you know, I remember the story about Jesus going to hell growing up. Has anybody heard like a, a very like long embellished story about Jesus going to hell and he bangs on the door and he takes the keys from, kick from that Satan. Kick the devil in the face. Yeah, kick the devil. Yeah. Like, I heard these stories so many times growing up, you start to think, man, that's in scripture somewhere. And I remember looking for that because I was like, I'm going to preach on that. I'm going to find that. And I couldn't find all that happening in the Bible because what we do is, is and all of us do this sometimes, we're, we're leading you to, to some thoughts that we have based on some scripture. But we'll take, we'll take a piece of scripture and we're like, man, if I just add some detail around this, it'll be a really awesome sermon. And so sometimes the things we grew up hearing they're not really embellished like that in the Bible. It's just like a few words that we take and we turn them into something else. So we're, we try to be just so, you know, we try to be very careful not to do that. We tell you when we're taking some scripture and building some ideas around it. But uh, yeah, the whole idea of Jesus going to hell, I'm not sure that that's what happened, but it is a really cool story if he did, right? Just kick the devil and take the yeah. keys to, yeah. Another, que- another, question, another question about relatives communicating with us. Does God give us does God give us glimpses or feelings of our relatives since they don't communicate with us based on what I said? Um, and I would say God is able to do whatever he wants. Um, but I, there again, I don't know that that's the point. I believe that God communicates to us all the time. That God wants to communicate with me all the time. I don't know that it's important in God's grand scheme of things that it be my mom as opposed to God. But let me give you this example. If, God forbid, something ever happened to Sadie and I lost her, every time I ate ice cream, I would think about her. Every time, because that's our thing. We eat ice cream together, right? So if I was eating that ice cream and I, I, and I thought about us spending time together eating ice cream, I'm not, I don't believe that that's God bringing her to my mind. I believe that that is a memory that I have that is incredibly valid. Like, it's legit. It's a memory, Right? Um, so, so lots of these questions that are coming in, I, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to like be stomping on your, you know, your connection with your relatives. All of the memories and the feelings and the connections that you have, totally valid. They are real and they count and you love them and they loved you. But 
they are with Jesus, and they're happier than you could imagine they would ever be. And, and, and their concern for the earth is not uh, what we think it is. They are with Jesus, and what the Bible would tell us, maybe worshiping Jesus or in the presence, um, in the presence of God. So, you know, just a lot there. Okay, rapid fire, different topics. You ready, Cease? Yeah. Rapid fire, I mean, then we got to go here. Um, uh, does your family come for you when you die? I'm assuming they mean like Papa Joe has already gone on, now Daddy Joe's going, does Papa Joe come and get Daddy Joe? We've certainly heard stories of people who say, I, you know, I, I died on an operating table and came back, and they say as soon as they went over, like their uncle was waiting for them or their dad or whatever. And that, again, that's a really awesome thing that I, I hope to be true, that, that as soon as I die, I would see my mom, my dad, that they would be waiting for me. Um, no biblical precedence really to tell us that that's what happens. But um, the answer is, I hope yes. Is okay. Cool. Our loved ones don't communicate with us, but can they see us? No, there's no I, way to know. I, I, no way to know. I don't think so. Probably not. I don't, I don't know that they're up there looking for us again. You know, the, that's kind of what you talked about before, the idea sure. that once they make it to heaven, are they only concerned with what's happening on earth? I think they're less concerned with earth than we are with them at this sure. point. Sure. I mean, the Bible does tend to give this idea that heaven is not like above us and we're down here and then like unless you're looking straight over you can't see the earth like the bible doesn't give us that right i hope you know that so like the bible does seem to give us this idea that that heaven has a heaven has a like 360 perspective of what's happening on earth so there's no way we could say yes or no but i i don't see why not because you know it's not like they have to be standing here to see minnesota and that you know what i'm saying like i know that sounds crazy but sometimes we can think that like Heaven is just aware of earth, you know. Um, let's, ask, let's ask a couple more rapid fire. It's second service, right? You guys are okay? Just a couple more services. All right. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Are there souls that are stuck? So we talked a lot about did God go to hell and things like that? Did Jesus go to? But are, currently now, are there souls that are stuck in the middle between heaven and hell? Again, building around the, the story that we started with, Jesus seems to indicate based on how you live, you're going you're gonna to go to one place or the other. Now, we, you know, we did talk about, you know, spirits and demons and principalities, but I don't believe that we as humans are going to get stuck on earth. Um, really, that's the point of him sharing the story, isn't it? So that we're, we're trying to convince people to have a relationship with Christ so that when they die, their eternity in, in paradise with Christ next to Abraham is secure, right? That's kind of the point of why he's sharing this, because the people that, that have died go on and there's no other options for them. They can't cross over from one side to the other. So based on that, I really believe that's kind of why he's telling the story. Like, this is the time to tell people about Christ. This is the time to build your relationship, to get saved, to, to help convince your relatives to get saved because once you die, I believe you're heading to one place or the other. Okay, let's answer two more. What about cremation? Does it matter? Like, because we were kind of taught growing up, don't get cremated because you need that body for the rapture. I don't know how we came up with some of this stuff. Yeah, I have no idea. I was taught that. Um, cremation, to me, I, I don't think that's an issue at all. It's, it's a non-issue. Our souls are already gone. Christ is going to come back at the end, bring our bodies up like we talked about. But what about bodies that have been in the ground for a, a thousand years? They're not still intact. If he can put those back together, he can take that's my ashes right. and put those back together, too. I'm that's not really worried about that. I'm an organ donor. Take them all out when I die. I don't need any of those because I'm, I'm going to be with Jesus, and he can restore all of that anyway. I don't think that's anything we have to worry about. The way you die, what happens to your body after you die, it's not about our bodies. Okay, so big suspenseful question. Maybe the most important one of the day. Perhaps. Is my dog going to go to heaven? 
First of all, you don't have a dog. I'm not a pet guy. I'll let us see answer this one. Never have I a hope dog. not. Jay, Jay doesn't. Jay doesn't care whether animals have. Jay doesn't. I'm not visit, an animal guy. He doesn't want to visit my house if I have a dog there. So how many of you guys are like that? Like I don't really need pets there because I'm not. A, I'm not a pet person. How many of you guys are like I really hope that Tebow or Buddy or Jimmy or Joe or whatever, whatever your dog's name is. Jimmy's not really a dog's name. Is I don't know. Um, so here's here's my thought on this. The the, the real answer is I wish we knew more. Um, because I do love pets. I was always taught that the answer is no. I probably still lean a little toward no um, because the Bible talks about our souls and our relationship with Christ. However, there are a lot of really smart people who disagree with me, a lot of theologians, a lot of uh, Christian authors who say that there's this, you know, enough evidence to say that our pets might go to heaven. And that's, that's fine with me if you believe that. Here's one, C.S. Lewis, who's way smarter than I am, actually speculated that our pets through their relationship with us, might be brought into heaven in the same way that our relationship with Christ gets us into heaven. That's a so lot of pressure. It, Don't blow it for your pet. <laughs> so if you want your dog to go to heaven or your cat to go to heaven, make sure you make it to heaven, right? So, um, again, speculation from C.S. Lewis. He's not really using scripture other than just this idea. But think about this. God did save the animals on the ark, right? Animals meant something. God had a covenant with with um, Abraham and all the beasts of the earth at one point. So the Bible talks about God's covenant not only with us but also with animals. Leaves the door open. Um, Solomon talked about it in Ecclesiastes where he's saying, you know, who are we to say what happens after we die, that we might go up and our pets might go down. Solomon's saying he's not sure. There's enough in there for me to say it is possible. Um, I'm not going to ruin your day and tell you for sure the answer is no, but I can't tell you for sure the answer is yes. Let's just all hope that those of us who bring our pets to heaven, that once we get there with them, that they're well-behaved and trained so they're That's not right. bugging all the people who don't want to be That's around. That's right. That. Somebody asked earlier, if, if, if you smoke cigarettes, can you go to, do you go to hell? The answer is obviously no, it's not a sin, but like, there'll be like a smoking section and a pet section, and then there'll be my section. A smoking and section. And like, we don't, I'm, that was, is that sacrilegious? I don't know. Anyway, all right. Uh, listen, we have talked a lot about the afterlife today, and there's questions, and we're just, all, you know, some things we're sure of, some things we're not sure of, but here's what we are absolutely certain of, is that if we know Jesus, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we, if we confess that we are sinners and that we need Jesus in our life, then we, the Bible tells us, will spend eternity forever with God. That we don't have to worry about hell, that we don't have to worry about punishment, that we don't have to worry about what's going to happen and who the Antichrist is and, you know, you know, all this stuff. It doesn't matter because we know God. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a relationship with Christ, or maybe I'm really worried about what's going to happen after I die because I'm just not sure that I know Christ, it would do us, it would be a huge honor for us to be able to lead you in that or be able to provide you an opportunity to to put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning um, and take all the worry away. Because here's what we know to be true. Regardless of all the things that we don't know, here's what we do know. Jesus, God, they're never going to disappoint. They're never going to disappoint. It doesn't matter what our house is going to look like or whether or not we're with family or not with family or whether or not our pets get there or whatever. Jesus is not going to disappoint. And so we want to put our faith in him this morning. Can we pray? Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that uh, you control eternity. I thank you, God, that you have forever in your hands, that you're not concerned and you're not worried with who or what or how, God. You have it all in control. And God,
God, I pray for anybody this morning who may have some fear, who may have some anxiety about what life is going to look like, you know, after they die. God, that you would just take that fear away. You would take and give some hope, some peace. God, maybe they're afraid because they don't know you. God, in this moment today, would you help them to uh, convict them, lead them to, to put their faith in you, to live for you. God, I pray that we would want you more than we want this world and that our ultimate desire and our ultimate hope would be to be with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.